Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. We're here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, happenings, random thoughts, stories, and everything else you can imagine from around the sports world. Terrible trades, which means, yes, we will talk about Bill O'Brien today. Of course. We will also have our top 10 wide receiver slash tight ends that we have seen in our lifetime. Top of some other NFL news and some fun we had uh, in store for you last episode you didn't get around to. Uh, MLB trades that almost happened that would have severely impacted the legacy and history of their franchises. But, first off, Ben, let's get into our receivers list. Let's start with their top ten list today instead of ending with it. How's that sound? Uh, that sounds good to me. All right. So you want to you you let me go first? You want to do the honors and give you number ten first? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start it off. We'll start off with a tight end. Okay. One of the greats, Tony Gonzalez. Ooh. At number 10, huh? At number 10, he yeah. is a Hall of Famer, 14-time Pro Bowler, six-time AP, first team, four-time AP, second team. They have a little less value because it is tight end, so it is a little not as hard to get that. But – no, no, no mistaken. He's great because he is top ten in all three of the major categories for receivers: third in catches, sixth in yards, and eighth in touchdowns. I think this is this is where he belongs. I had him as eleventh in touchdowns. So we look at different lists. Uh, I can double check that, but I'm pretty sure it said eighth, but it could be wrong. Well, I guess that's a spoiler. He's on my list also, but. Not at number ten, but uh, what else you got on Tony? Are you good? Oh, that's good. That's all. That's all I got on him. All right, for me, my number ten, the guy who left us in the in the game. He's still alive, in the game way too soon. Mister Calvin Johnson, Megatron. The guy only played nine years, and every stat across the board. I know you don't. I know we don't manage stats like this. Every stat of his across the board if you were to multiply it would be at Jerry Rice level by the time he was done less than half the time, less than half the games. He would have definitely outpaced him on yards, touchdowns. eh, He probably wouldn't have touched him on touchdowns, but receptions, you would have had him also again. I know we don't do stats that way. You have to actually Mm -hmm. accumulate them for them to matter. And the sports world is full of, Oh, we're going to, we're going to take the average and we're going to say, or oh, you're, you're estimated to have this many. Like every every baseball season when Barry Bonds would hit four home runs in the first two games, it was, oh, he's on pace to hit 500 home runs. I know it's ridiculous. That's not how it's done. But watch this guy play. He was just another level. He was a monster. You couldn't tackle him. You couldn't stop him. He didn't always have Matthew Stafford either. No, no, he didn't have him early on. And he was still a dominant player. I mean, and I, unfortunately, he left the game. Well, I mean, not too soon when he was ready to leave. So good for him. But what could have been if he played another five, six, seven years? He's only thirty-four years old right now. He's younger hey, than he we probably are. Could, he could still play. He's younger than we are right now, still. And he retired. I mean, he has borderline Hall of Fame numbers. He has almost twelve thousand receiving yards in nine seasons. Almost yeah, seven hundred. Almost seven hundred and fifty catches, eighty-three touchdowns. I mean. It, the pace this guy was on was just ridiculous. 
one of the best of all time pace-wise. But what could have been wasn't. But, I mean, it would have been something else to watch this guy play 15 or 16 years. Hey, you think maybe if uh, marijuana was legal during his time, maybe he plays longer. So then he can manage the pain a little bit more. Yeah, without, but yeah, for sure. There is the X factor of the Lions because this is the second dominant athlete of the Detroit Lions era that has retired early. Oh, in their primes, though, you could. I mean, Calvin Johnson was still in the prime of his career. Barry Sanders had plenty of years left. Oh, yeah, to sure. tack on. But you know what? Sometimes you just walk away. It's fine. I mean, yeah, good for them. Did what they wanted to do, but yeah, man, it would have been something else to be still watching this guy. Who you got for nine? Uh, nine. I have Starvin Marvin Harrison. Oof. He is a Hall of Famer. Eight Pro Bowls, three AP first teams, five AP second teams. He picked up a Super Bowl ring. He is fifth in catches, fifth in touchdowns, and ninth in yards. I can't He's one of part of the, one of the greatest offenses with one of the one of the best quarterbacks ever to set foot on the field. I mean, the, obviously the Patriots were able to handle them, but for the most part, most of the league could not keep up with this offense. And Marvin Harrison and obviously Reggie Wayne continued that uh, pattern when Marvin stepped away. But Marvin started it off, and he was at, at some portions of his career. Well, I should say a large portion of his career. He's just a dominant figure that could not be contained by most teams. Uh, I would I would agree, but uh, I'm not going to talk too much about Marvin because of reasons you'll find out in the future. I'm sure I will. Number nine for me, my first of two tight ends on my list, Jason Witten. Wow. I know. I get it. It's not the sexiest name in the world when you come down to the big name, you know, powerhouse receivers. Yep. The guy had the numbers. He's still playing, allegedly, although it's for Vegas, so we'll see what that actually accounts for. 255 games at tight end, 16 seasons, over 1,200 receptions, almost 13,000 yards. Touchdowns weren't really there, but for a tight end, it was respectable with 72. He is fourth. On the receiving yards list. Excuse me, the receptions list, not receiving yards list. But for me, the impressive part was the carousel that was for a good part of his career at quarterback for that team. Yeah. I mean, he started out, I believe, when Bledsoe was there for a few years. As forgettable as that was for most people. Then he had Romo in and out with injury. Dak the latter Romo. part of his career. A couple of other guys. Before Romo. What's that? There was somebody before Romo. I can't remember his name. But well, Bledsoe, was... Bled, Romo took over for Bledsoe. I thought there was somebody else between them. No, there was somebody before Bledsoe we had to deal with. But, I mean, he is. And on top of it, you've always had that diva receiver in Dallas. And it's it's a different name, but it's always the same attitude. You had your... your uh, Oh, my God, I can't remember his name now. Um, Des Bryant? Des Bryant, yeah, thank you. Wow, man, how did I forget that name? He just, a team that wanted to run all the time, that's always built their offensive line to run, with shaky quarterback, and give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball receivers, and he still put up the numbers he did during a time when that position was not used like it is now. 
I mean, I know it's only 10, 15 years ago, but it still was not as prevalent as it is today. It's pretty impressive, and, and you can't deny his accomplishments. So for me, I put him on my list. All right. So at number eight, this might be might be a little debate on this one. No, we have debates on everything you've you've said so far. So so far, but this might this might you might spin your head on this one. I'm putting eighth, Andre Johnson. Really? He's got seven Pro Bowls, two AP first teams, two AP second teams. He's 11th in catches. He's 11th in yards. He's unfortunately he's only 46th in touchdowns because the Texans, for the most part of his career, were just abysmal team. With as soon as David Carr came into the picture and. Uh, they found out real quickly he was trash. They just they just cycled through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback, and they just couldn't figure anything out. But I don't want that to take away from what Andre Johnson could have been. And I feel like his talent and his numbers put him in this spot, above slightly above Marvin and Tony on my list. You know, at, fir- at first when you said that, I did have that kind of double take. But when you – there's a few people on my list. Do I have who who, who are probably going to be looked at the same way? Where it's like, how do you put them in that position? Because they didn't quite have the numbers, but the talent was there, and they were victims of really bad quarterback play, right? Which Andre Johnson definitely was. So, like, like if you flip, yeah. let's say let's say you flipped Marvin Harrison and Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson is higher on this list, and Marvin. Does Marvin make the Hall of Fame? Mm, it's hard to tell. Because Andre is not making the Hall of Fame. I, no. I know that. He's no, not probably not. The Hall no. of Fame. But Andre Johnson would be classified as the top, probably a top five receiver of all time if he's playing with Peyton Manning. I mean, it would certainly help to play with a, a first ballot Hall of Famer like Manning. But I, I kind of feel like when you say Harrison wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for Manning, it, I mean, it, it could be true. It could not be true. We don't know. The guy could have just been incredibly talented and been able to do it anywhere because some of these guys can. Um, that's one of the reasons a guy like Andre Johnson wasn't, was I don't feel if you put him on other teams, he would have been as productive as he was in Houston. I don't know. It's just, yeah, Andre Hopkins is is kind of making that case yeah. for anybody in the league to say, hey, for a chunk of my career, I played with garbage. Period. Now, obviously, a past what was it two? How two dare seasons? you sully the good name of Tom Savage? Oh uh, yeah, I will absolutely sully the name of Tom Savage. A piece of garbage, and I can't believe the Texans actually thought he was a good uh, would have been a good quarterback. Yeah, so, what team are we talking about here? You're surprised? <laughs> no, no, okay, not thanks. really. Yeah, uh, who you got for number eight? Number eight, I have Reggie Wayne. You know, I could put him on my list. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to look at him the same way, like you just said with uh, like Andre Johnson, where yeah. it's like he was good, but you just didn't see him as uh, I don't know, like just not quite there. It's like Marvin Harrison's little brother played for one of the better offenses we've ever seen in our lifetime. So I get he's going to have those kind of stigmas against him, but I mean, you can't you can't deny the numbers, and you can't deny when you watched him play. There was something special about him. 
I mean, yeah, Peyton Manning helped, but I think Reggie Wayne was also the kind of talent who could, especially in his prime, go to a team even with a lesser quarterback and still produce. Yeah. I mean, over 1,000 career receptions, over 14,000 yards, over 80 touchdowns. He's 10th in yards and receiving uh, receptions. 24th in touchdowns, but, I mean, played a lot of that time with Reggie Wayne, and he had guys like Edger and James and, and who were rushing for touchdowns, and Peyton Manning was throwing to everyone under the sun. I mean, if you played with Peyton Manning you had under 10 touchdowns, you were having a bad year. Yeah. Like, I mean, so those are – his numbers aren't quite as high in that category, but, but man, the talent was there, and he was fast. Had a bad attitude when he first started his career, but I think Peyton worked on that. So you got next. This one's going to cause some. This one's going to really make your head spin. Oh boy! But okay. I, I'm. I, I think that he belongs not only on this list, right where he's at. Steve Smith Senior. Wait, you have him at number six, seven. Want to know something funny? What's that? I do too. <laughs> so do I. Wow. He's, he's, one the, he's, he's one of the best you've ever seen. There's no doubt about it. The numbers, I mean, he's 12th in catches, he's 8th in yards, and he's 26th in touchdowns. He's got a few AP first teams, some Pro Bowls. He did get the 2005 um, Comeback Player of the Year. But taking all that aside, he was I, – I, um, I don't want to say a diva because that's not the right terminology to use for him. He was just a, a hard ass to deal with because a good portion of the career was him and Musin Muhammad. Well, Musin was a big, he's the prototypical big wide receiver that you want on the outside. And, but Steve Smith had just had that attitude. Like he is short, but he is, he ran great, great routes early on his career. He's fast and could get under anybody's skin. Do you, it's funny you say that because I never quite put him as a diva either because he was a tough player. So he didn't have that don't hit me attitude. I always kind of thought of him as a wide receiver with a cornerback's mentality. Yeah. Like he That's had that, I like think. dominant corners have that. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to cover you. You can't touch me. I'm going to stop you. And he kind of had the opposite of you can't stop me. I'm going to go against your best. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to be the best player on the field. And if you were playing against this guy, you hated him. But, man, if you watch him play, you got to respect the talent because he was something special. Some players, I know his stats are impressive, and his stats alone put him in the Hall of Fame. But there's certain players you could just watch and just know how good they were. Right. And I don't even mean anybody looks good catching a 90-yard touchdown pass. Even the shortest route, the 5'10 route, yard route over the middle, running 60 yards downfield, running across the middle. Running, he did everything. He did it all. He did it well. Yep. And, and there's a few years there where you could argue he was the best receiver in the game. Absolutely. So I can't. No, I thought. I think it's funny you thought that was going to be a problem. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. No, I do too. He, he belongs there. Well, I guess we can go to number six, right? Yeah. Number six is going to be Anquan Bolden. I couldn't put him on, man. I couldn't. Now his numbers are not. His numbers are not what the other four are. I will grant you that. He was the offensive rookie of the year in 03, and he won the Peyton, Walter Payton Award in 15. He helped two franchises, I feel. And, and 
to a lesser degree the Cardinals, but he did play on the Niners and he did play on Baltimore. And he helped Baltimore win that Super Bowl. And if they don't have him, it's a very tough – I know they have the dominant defense, but it's a tough road if they don't have Anquan Bolton. He was just – year in and year out, he was just a reliable receiver who could just get the tough yards that you wanted. And coming out of Florida State, he, he had high praise, but they weren't sure. I don't believe his 40 time was that great, which is I think he fell a little bit in the first round. But he showed his guts. He showed what he had on every team he played on. By far. One of the best to play the game. One of the nicest, obviously, because he has a, a Walter Payton Award. Yeah, but really good think, dude. Really good dude, yeah. He just he just it is a very hard hard win for the Ravens if they don't have Anquan Bolden. Well, it's even harder because they did have Joe Flacco, so Right. And Anquan Bolden performed well in spite of the quarterback throwing to him being utter trash. So, I mean, Anquan Bolden was kind of the epitome of victim of bad quarterback play, honestly. Yep. I think, I think had he had anybody competent consistently throughout his career, I wouldn't have any problem putting him in my top five because he, he had the talent. I just, for me, there was something missing there, and I don't necessarily think that was his fault, but I couldn't put him on my list. But for me, number six, it's throwing me off here because I have my my list. And on my list on uh, my spreadsheet, like number one is the category, is the top, the header of all the categories. So I keep looking at it being one number off. But I got there, I got it now. So number six for me, Tony Gonzalez. Oh, my God. I, I, dude. 17 years? Yeah, I know. I mean, third all-time in receptions, sixth in yards, 11th in touchdowns he's, for position. He is, he's eighth. I just I checked it. He's eighth. Huh. He has uh, 111 touchdowns. Yeah, I must have gotten that one wrong. Okay. Yeah, it's well, okay. either way, he's even better then. It makes my argument yeah. stronger. It does, it does. I just told I mean, you. 15,000-plus receiving yards. I, I One of the very that. few players to ever go over 100 tight ends. And anybody, anybody, and I'm a dire to Patriots fan, as you were going to find, anybody who says Rob Gronkowski is the best tight end ever, you, you need to get your eyes checked, first of all. And you need to go watch Tony Gonzalez play. Because I had Gronk above Tony. And then I looked at Tony's numbers yeah. and everything. And it's like, nope, no, I cannot justify putting Gronkowski with no. the short career that he had. Because if Gronk plays out his career, we can do all uh, we can do all those numbers. And if he played out his career, great. But it's just Tony's just better. Just call and, call a spade a spade. And the thing is, I can give somebody credit for a short career, such as Calvin Johnson, when they played. The entire time, consistently. Gronk, when he was on the field, most of the time, he was he was fine. Excuse me, I think Gronk had, as much as I enjoyed watching him play as a Patriots fan and running people over, there were a lot of times where I think 
there was a little bit of recency bias when it came to Gronk because he'd have a 10 catch for 120 yard and three touchdown game. And then the next two games he'd have two for 30. And then you go off again, but then he'd get hurt and he missed a couple of games or the entire season. And it was like, you can't give somebody credit for being better with a short career if they don't play half of that career. And then they retire early because of injury. Like what could have been with Gronk is great. And maybe he would be on this list if he had all that time back, he was injured, but I can't put him on this list in front of guys like uh, Jason Witten and Tony Gonzalez when they actually did it. It's not just, Oh, he may have, he didn't. And they did. So no disrespect to him, but he's not on their level in my book. And, and I don't see, so in, on my list, you know, it's five years. You have to be out of the league five years for the uh, for the Hall of Fame. So Anquan Bolden and Andre Johnson uh, will be eligible next year. Five years. Uh, so actually, technically, it'd be four four more years. Gronk will be eligible. He's not. I I I would say he's not going to make it because if you ask somebody right now, sure, but you ask four years from now when it's five years away from the from the uh, from the playing days and the numbers are what the numbers are and we have to concede what the numbers are sure he could be a dominant player as much as we want but you're going to look at those number of, of of games he missed for injury and then you're going to look at someone like Tony Gonzalez and say look Tony played all these years I don't remember him having a serious injury and he did either. it for two no. teams and he did it for two teams because he helped the Falcons raise up a little in uh, early Matt Ryan years because of what Tony Gonzalez was able to do, even all the way to the end of his career. He probably could have played another year, maybe two, if he really wanted to. Not not only that, look how many how much how many more tight ends are used more frequently these days. Right. Gronk was great, but he also came in at a time when there tight ends weren't being used a lot. Now. It's a little bit of a different game. You have guys like George Kittle and Mark Andrews in Baltimore who looked like he's a star on the rise. And I can go on and on, countless others. Travis uh, Kelsey. Kelsey. Yeah. Uh, you can see what um, Ingram's going to do in uh, New York. Yeah, if Ingram, if he can, can stay healthy. OJ Howard can get out of Tampa Bay or they can start using him. Which I think it's, they may now, honestly. Right, and and it's... And we know what Jason Winton's going to be when his career comes to an end. I mean, honestly, Chris, could you see – crazy thought. Could you see Jimmy Graham get an end before Rob? No. I don't think Jimmy Graham's, he, a, Jimmy Graham's not a Hall of Famer. I don't – I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying when you step up – this is why they do five years after they're done. Five years after Jimmy's done. Can you see someone going back and looking at the numbers and say, wow, he's got Hall of Fame numbers. I don't. I don't think. Honestly, I'd have to look closer at his numbers to see, because I think Jimmy Graham's on the tail end of his career. Um, but I'd have to. I'd have to look at that before I could honestly answer that. Well, you can. You don't have to worry about adding to the numbers because between Foles and Trubisky, there's no way he's going to get more numbers. No, probably not. All All right, right, Chris. Top five. What do you got for five? All right, number five: the ageless wonder. This man 
could be as high as one if you really wanted to push the envelope, but he belongs nowhere lower than five. Larry Fitzgerald, who, by the way, is still playing. You know, it's funny to say Adrian Wonder, and I realize he's like a month older than I am. And yet, he's an Adrian Wonder. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's, I know as far as like sports goes, that's ancient, but it's just funny to look at him and be like, God, he's so old. In terms of life, he's not old at all. It's funny how it works, though. Now, he's second in both catches and yards. And I don't think he's going to be able to uh, catch old Jerry. I, I highly doubt it. Um, he needs about 140, 150 receptions. If he plays and, two more years, he could. Right. So he needs about 140 recept. Oh, well, he's not catching him in yards. He needs about 5,000 yards. In- no, he's not touching yards or touchdowns. So, so, but I would say the man is just putting it down. Uh, now he doesn't have a ring yet. Uh, there's still an opportunity for that. But he's played in a few Super Bowls. And he just has – he could have been – how many times he could have been traded? Dude, that's I was just going to say that. A picture of not only consistency but class also. Wanted to be loyal to his team. And could have gotten out many times. And he could have gotten his team a King's Ransom and gotten to a team just to win a Super Bowl. But wanted to do it. Wanted to do it his way. With his team, so I mean, two years ago he could have he could have said yes, trade me to New England because there those rumors were absolutely flying. And he said no, no, I'm gonna stay here. And now he's now his starting quarterback is Kyler Murray. He now has DeAndre Hopkins on the other side, Christian Kirk playing the slot or playing the outside because actually Fitzgerald is kind of evolve his game to play more of the slot. Yeah. And that's extending his career just because his length, his body type. Fitzgerald was never fast, but he could body players up and he had some speed. Now he's just a physical specimen that can still play. still has game. I don't think he's going to catch Jerry in, in the two categories right behind him, but he's going to put his stamp and say, He's going to remain top five for a long time, and he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer when he go, when he goes in. Plus, he's he's won the Walter Payton Award. At number five, the aforementioned Marvin Harrison. Wow. Um, I know people are going to, and have made the argument it's because of Peyton Manning, and like I said earlier, I'm not going to get into that again because we just talked about it, but. I can't punish him for having talent and having a talented quarterback and making the most of it. Just can't do it. So maybe he couldn't have done it anywhere else. Maybe he could have done it everywhere. Who knows? But he only played 190 games, 13 seasons, over 1,100 catches, 128 touchdowns, 14,580 receiving yards. He is 10th, excuse me, 9th in yards. Mm-hmm. And fifth in both touchdowns and receptions, only playing that short amount of time. That is pretty incredible. There is a time period you did not want to see this guy. If you saw him and Manning on the field and they were playing your team and it was the last two minutes of the game, 
you're like, oh, cool, it's just going to be Peyton Harrison over and over and over again, and we're going to lose. <laughs> like, especially as a Patriots fan, I learned that painfully a few times. Yeah. Uh, it, it There's few better, few people broke better on the ball, ran cleaner routes. Just, he seemed to have two sets of eyes, one for where the ball was and another for where everybody else was. So the minute he caught that ball, he could break it and run and get additional yards after the catch. Uh, can't say enough about him. I wish he was on my team. <laughs> but but mine still did pretty good, even against him. So I'll take that last little jab. Sorry, Marvin. Who you got for number four? All right. Uh, so I, I know you're going to have Fitzgerald top four. I, I don't know where you have him, but I know you're going to have him. So clearly our top four are going to be different. And I think this is where we're going we're gonna to go down different paths. My number four is Michael Irving, the playmaker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I understand. Uh, Numbers aren't there. Nah. Not I, so, so I have to, I, I take the numbers a little bit with a grain of salt because it is a different era now than with true. some of these, with some of these other players, Jerry being the exception, because we know what Jerry is. Uh, Michael didn't play as long as Jerry did because uh, obviously Michael had a shortened career. But he was a Hall of Famer. He had five Pro Bowls. Three, he, he was part of the triplets that won three Super Bowls. And in spite of, of Barry Switzer, they won that last Super Bowl. Because honestly – that's Jimmy's team. That's not Barry Switzer. That's Jimmy's team. Jimmy's team won that third Super Bowl. And then it felt kind of fell apart after that. But I think in, if he didn't have all those injuries at the end of his career, Michael could would have contested Jerry for the greatest of all time. But he just, he's not there. Wow. I think he would have. I think he would have contested Michael for the uh, – um, Jerry for the greatest of all time. That is uh... – well, I know the numbers. I, I understand the numbers there, but I think Michael's talent yeah. is clearly I think, evident. I think the reaction you thought it would have to Steve Smith, just copy and paste that in front of Urban. <laughs> I think it was just a dynamic player. The numbers aren't – I know they aren't there. You have to remember they have the number one rushing player in all of the history on that team. Yeah. So that's that's a little bit of a factor. And he would not step down from anybody. And maybe that made him a little bit too much of a diva. And he would be the first, I would say, first iteration of the wide receiver diva. But his talent is just astronomical. And I think the talent on the field and the primetime position, uh, primetime play he had in the playoffs uh supersede what his numbers are are showing yeah we'll have to agree to disagree but uh that's how we made our own list so you know i know there's some on my list you looked at me like i had two heads so i can't uh i can't dwell on that too much but i don't know i'll i'll, I'll you know jabs are joking aside i never i don't know man i never i never saw it with urban honestly yeah it's just my personal feeling that's fair Number four, Larry Fitzgerald. 
I struggled with, like you struggling with five. I struggled with not putting him at number two, uh, especially with one of the guys I have in front of him. Uh, just, I never really thought he was at the level he was until I saw the stats, and then I went back and watched some ta- uh, video on him, and I was like, yeah, I can't, I got to put him in front, of, in front of Larry, reluctantly. Um, but, yeah, Fitzgerald, I mean, you just pretty much said everything before. I mean, second in yards and receptions, only sixth in touchdowns. Probably not going to climb too far, much higher on either of those lists, only because of where the guys above him are. But been a model of consistency, class, loyalty to his team, uh, great in his community. Like you said, Walter Payton, Man of the Year Award winner. Um, yeah, I mean, guy's a legend, still playing. You know, maybe. Maybe he'll get that ring with Kyler and uh, DeAndre Hopkins now there. So, I can only hope. For his sake, I'd really, I mean, I'll be a Pats fan my whole life, but I wouldn't be disappointed seeing Mr. Fitzgerald get a, get a Lombardi before he goes. So, top three. Top three. Number three is going to be Randy Moss. Oof, okay. It's a Hall of Famer, six-time Pro Bowler, four-time AP first team. 2007 comeback player of the year, obviously, since, you know, I don't know. He had 23 touchdowns, which is still a single-season record. And he was the 1998 Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, He is just – he is – surprisingly, he's 15th on the list of catches. But he's second in touchdowns and fourth in yards. And for some of the issues that Randy had – he basically showed you the talent and his ability in, in, in encapsulated in one season. And that was 07 with the Patriots. That just tells you his speed, his catching ability, ability to high point the ball whenever he needed to. Oh, well, <clears throat> let me uh, backtrack that a little bit. Anytime he needed to, except for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Which is the one thing he doesn't have on his – uh, resume, which he should have, but we're not going to go down that road because that's just going to be 30 minutes of uh, hell for both of us. I got I'll over just it. Say, I'll just say he played with a hell of a quarterback in Minnesota and then a brief stint in Oakland, Very LA. forgettable, forgettable stint in Oakland, yeah. And Bill just trade traded nothing to get him. I believe it was a fourth-round pick. I think so. And then he dealt him away for like a six to Tennessee. Yeah. A few years later. But he encapsulated everything he was in his ability in the 07 season. Which is why he's uh, third on my list. Well, third on my list, Terrell Owens. Okay. I uh, I didn't think I'd have this guy this high on the list. Because I think a lot of times his attitude and the way he carried himself took away from his actual level of ability and talent. And I never did anything, like, horrendous. He wasn't, like, in and out of jail or nothing, but he was always so boisterous and and just... He just... You just wanted to tell him just to stop talking for five minutes. That would have been nice sometimes. he just... He would just go and go and go and go, but he also went and went and went and went on the field. And his play would back up his talk... And I gained a lot more respect for him after that, that, that Super Bowl against the Patriots when he still had a fracture in his leg. And he, he damn near, despite Donovan McNabb, 
not being able to handle the pressure. He damn near helped the Eagles win that game. As a Patriots fan, I'm glad he didn't, but I can also respect the talent and ability. And, and I mean, the numbers, you know, Owens, much like the number two guy on my list, were almost a victim of being too good because they would have had more receptions, but half the time their catches ended up in the end zone. Right. So they'd, they, you know, it was like, yeah, they'd be on a drive. Most, most receivers could have gotten four or five catches. But they, you know, like Moss would catch a bomb in the corner of the end zone with one hand. Owens would get it and shake off three tacklers and run for it. And it's like, these guys could have easily probably had a couple hundred more catches each if they weren't so damn efficient at scoring when they got the ball. That and the offense they played in. I mean, we obviously we know what number one is. You know, uh, Bill Walsh was the innovator of the West Coast offense. And a lot of that is short passes, intermediate passes. So obviously, that's why number one has has and not only does he have as many catches as he does, he is far and away above anybody else. Like we mentioned, Larry Fitzgerald is number two. He would need, like you said, two more good seasons to maybe catch. Yeah, and he come he come nowhere near the touchdowns or or yards. But that would be Larry would have to be the number one option, which he's clearly not. So, but yeah, it, it, I mean, I mean, I agree with you and I, not to jump the gun, but obviously when number two is, is Terrell Owens, uh, I'll just expound. I mean, you, you said everything pretty clearly that I would have said, I'll just resonate. Uh, it, it's the Super Bowl appearance. And even though it's just the one that just set in stone him to be number two. Because if Randy did what Terrell did in the Super Bowl, Randy's number two. Randy has a Super Bowl ring, and the Patriots are, have an undefeated season. That's the difference between those. Yes, yeah, that is true. And as much as Terrell tried his hardest, and he played one of the best games you could ever see, go back and look at it if you want to. You watch what Terrell did in that game. If if Donovan even had a little bit more uh, of guts in him to not throw up, literally and figuratively, well, he had he had his he showed his guts on about the forty yard line. But unfortunately for him, he didn't. He just didn't have enough in the tank. But Terrell coming off the the, the fractured leg, it's, it's phenomenal what he did to 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 get there. And Frey Mitchell had nothing to do with it. No, no, Gator Arms had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I was such an idiot. But his hands are so great. Yeah, seventeen catches in a season, and he's losing his mind over himself. All right, well, kinda... Chris. Yeah, What's I'm going to let you have since we said the same at number seven, and I took that one over. I will acquiesce to you. Who is the number one wide receiver? Well, I'm going to I'm going to get my number two first. Oh, I'm sorry. Which I'm sorry. no, it's it's pretty obvious. It's Randy Moss. I mean, that's yeah. I think I actually said it inadvertently when I was reading off Terrell Owens. Uh, I'm not, again, I'm not going to go uh, go nuts repeating what you just said, but it was really hard to decide between Moss and Owens. Uh, I mean, literally c- could barely get closer if they tried, stat-wise, across the board. 
Owens it came down. It came down to the one game for me. Yeah. That was uh, that was all it was for me. Owens played one more season. He's listed as playing 15 seasons. Tomas is 14. He actually only has one more game played though. He has, oh. I think, about 80 more catches, three fewer touchdowns, about 600 more yards. They really couldn't get closer. When when you know and. I know when the Patriots played the Cowboys that when when T.O. was on Dallas and you know obviously Moss was on New England, they had that little rivalry where they're like, "Oh, the eighty-one, you're the other eighty-one," and it, it kind of had a little little rivalry back and forth. It seemed like it was good natured, but uh, so I mean, it, it's just it's it's fun to see two guys who played at that level during the same time period come out with stats that are so similar. For me, it was Moss over Owens because. I just, I do think there were times where Owens was a detriment to his team on the field. And not that Moss wasn't, I just don't think it was to that extent. Where Moss would have a bad attitude, and then he'd go out and catch an 80-yard bomb just to show you he was the best. And Owens would kind of pout a little bit here and there. Um, It really came down to that very simple. I could have flipped a coin, honestly. It it was really too close, but uh, to take you up on your offer... I mean, it's not that hard. No, number one, I think for both of us, it's pretty obvious. It's Jerry Rice. It's old. Uh, it's old Stickum himself, Jerry Rice. The numbers are the numbers are just the numbers are ridiculous. Three hundred and three games played. A lot of quarterbacks don't have those numbers. No, and you're talking about a guy who gets hit as much as that, and a position as physical as that. I don't care. You know, I made I made the Stickum joke, which he's admitted to using, so it's not me talking trash. He said he did it. Right. Um. And I don't, I don't know, maybe he was kidding, whatever. It doesn't matter. Read off his list of accomplishments. I mean, we, we could do an entire podcast just on that. Um, I think it's I think it's interesting. If you look at all the players, I don't have your list, but they're, a lot of them are the same. Other than comeback player of the year and offensive rookie of the year, which you have in a couple places, and obviously the Walter Payton man of the year, nobody else has any other offseason awards except for Jerry, and he's got two player of the years. And the MVP in 87. Like, nobody else has that except for Jerry, which I think it just puts a stamp on him not only being number one, but staying number one. Unless, of course, you're some kid who started watching after Jerry retired, and then you go by our standards of when you watched him, what the players, your top ten of who you watched. Don't even, come with be, this. Don't even come at me with this Odell Beckham Jr. trash. Uh, yeah, no, that that that, that would never happen. But that, that's my point: is is on any list, he's number one, and that's it. Yeah, and and people can sit here and say, "Oh, Super Bowls aren't the only thing that matters." First of all, that's something losers say. Correct. Second of all, for me, uh, the the score, the other nine people on my list. Uh, Jerry Rice is beating them three to two with Super Bowls combined. Jerry has three. The other nine players have two combined. Her- uh, Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne each have one with Indy. Besides that, nobody on my list has a ring. He has three. So I, got, I got, I got, I got Michael. So I guess mine's different. But... Yeah, it's a little bit of different balance. But I mean, that just goes to show you, like, you can be really, really good and not have that. Right. Right. But. If you have all those numbers and you're winning championships, 
you can't. I don't. I don't. If you watch Jerry Rice play and you don't say he's the best ever, then you're probably a Raiders fan. Or actually, you know, because he played for the Raiders too. But I know they're rivals, San Fran and and the Raiders. But I mean, you have some kind of bias towards him. Clearly, if you can't say he's the best ever, kind of like Brady with quarterback. It's like okay, right. you can say he's not, but regular season, postseason, all the numbers are there. Like, come on, like put down your bias for a minute. And just look objectively at the numbers, but oh. yeah, he's number one for me. Uh, and, you, and you and you can't really right now if you look at the players that are playing right now. New Hopkins and Michael Thomas were the only ones that you could even project as a possibility to be in the conversation about approaching number one, but they haven't yet garnered a Super Bowl ring. And both of them are five-plus years in the league, right? Uh, I believe least. so. So uh, Also, um, Julio Jones on line one. Oh, my apologies. And Julio Jones. And, but Julio's a little bit more... He's a little older, yeah, but... A little bit. Not much. A little bit older. So the three of them, the numbers may come close at some point. But will they acquire the awards? Now, obviously, Michael Thomas does have an offensive player of the year award, but will he get any of the Super Bowls? He doesn't have the Super Bowl with the saints. That was before his time. If I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I believe they won in 09 or 2010, something like that. And he was probably a year or two later that he, yeah, I think so. Or no, probably more than that. Um, So unless one of those three gets on their horse, now obviously we know Julio, unless he gets traded, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Team's going to be bad for a while. The one exception I would be intrigued in seeing what happens is DeAndre Hopkins. If Kyler Murray stays healthy and they can protect them, that'll be a fun watch. All right, so we ran way along on that, but that was fun. So let's uh, move on. Mm -hmm. I can already see the headlines with – you brought this topic to me. Why don't you? Why don't you bring it up? You know how to approach the, it better. The next one. Yes. Okay. So this has been bandied about um, on a couple of news radio, on a couple of sports radio stations today because it came on Michael Lombardi's. I, I don't know his podcast. I really don't care about his podcast. But Michael Lombardi uh, said on his podcast how Tua Tagovailoa is fragile because. You know, two seasons uh, two, two seasons ago, he had a, a wrist injury in, in the training camp, well, college version of training camp. And later, they had surgery on it. And then later that season, he had it broken again. And obviously, he had an ankle injury last year, which, by the way, he had surgery during the season and came back and played in that season and then got injured the, uh, the hip injury, but Michael, Michael Lombardi's calling him fragile. Now, two ways you could think of this, Chris, and I'll ask you, which way do you think it is? Is he, is he being authentic with his analysis of Tua or is he driving down the draft stock of Tua? I don't think either. I know you told me to pick one. Um, okay. I'm really bad at that game. Sorry. I think he's just trying to get clicks and downloads. Honestly, 
okay, I, I didn't think I, of that. I don't. I don't think he. I don't think he really. I mean, he might really believe it, but to say to the, the extent like he's going to fall so far down in the draft where, you know, a team can get him in the twenties probably isn't going to happen. And I think all the GMs and all the front office people around the league are smart enough to know this game. This let's talk. Let's down talk a player so he doesn't look as good. I think the the real concern with a player where they're going to be drafted comes in with a guy like Joe Burrow, where. Like you brought up a couple episodes ago, well, more than a few now. Starting to lose track of time with everything that's going on. Um, where when he said, "How do you feel about the Bengals drafting you?" and he goes, "If they draft me, they draft me." But that kind of uncertainty or not wanting to play for a team—that's right. the kind of thing that makes you fall down the board. Just somebody on, on a podcast, a radio show. Like I can come on now and say, "Oh, Joe Burrow's no good." Not only do I not mean it, but no one's going to listen to me and go, "Oh, you know what? He's right. He's going to be a sixth-round pick now." <laughs> like. Uh, I think people like Michael Lombardi also give themselves a little bit too much credit also. Yeah. I mean, he but, is a former GM. I'll give him that. But he carries he carries Bill Belichick's water like nobody else in the business. He, he uh, was an employee for Bill in Cleveland and, and New England. And now his son is a uh, part of the quarterback's um, coaching group in New England. And oh, I think man. he's trying to dri- he's trying to drive his stock down is what I think he's trying to do. But I think you're right. The GMs they know what they're doing. They're not. Stupid. Well, I mean, well, 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 except for Bill O'Brien. Sorry, my apologies. Except for Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna, I just want to the rest of that. them. Thirty one the GMs them, know what they're doing. Yes, they know what they're doing. They're gonna look at what medicals they can get their hands on, and if they can bring them in for a medical, they will. If they can't, they'll go off what they have. Um, either sent by his doctor when he had a medical. I think he had one a few weeks back. Plus everything that's been going on this past year, years past. It's just Michael Lombardi. You're right. He's trying to. He's always trying to do this. No matter. He tries to get himself on any podcast, radio station. Yeah. Trying to clicks and downloads. That's all he's trying that's to do. All he's trying to do. And even though he is a name, and he is a former GM. It's still just him trying to help Bill out because maybe down the road, Bill can get him a job if he wants it or trying to get more clicks. Right. And I have no time for this. Yeah. Actually, we, we literally don't. So I just want to say I'm going to get it started. Hashtag yeah. to a gate. It's <laughs> a good one. All right. Speaking of the draft, uh, a team in the top five, maybe not one we expected, has been – Pretty open to moving down in the draft. Yeah. I think it's a smart move, seeing as they just traded away their best player at that position, and they were going to draft a cornerback. We're talking, of course, about the Detroit Lions. Or do you think it's smart to kind of build, load up on draft picks and really rebuild your team for the future? It's It depends. I If I were the Lions, I would wait until my pick is on the board. I don't do it beforehand because you don't know what – you don't know what – Cincinnati's going to do. You don't know what Washington's going to do. Okay. If Chase Young is there for some reason at three, now you're having a harder discussion because Jeff Okuda may not be that generational talent that you think he is. If you're not confident in him, but you feel like Chase Young is, and he falls to three, then you're going to take him. But if you don't, now you're looking at uh, not San Diego, um, Chargers or, or Miami or any other team that wants to hop up 
to get one of the quarterbacks above Miami or hold Miami hostage for one, one pick. We've seen it before with the Cleveland Browns who hopped one pick up and gave up draft capital just to take their quarterback. It's not improbable. And maybe they drop down one spot. They still get Jeff Akuda plus some picks. Maybe they drop down two spot, uh, two three spots. Actually, they drop down two spots for Miami, but they could drop down three spots if they traded with the Chargers, and maybe they can still get Jeff Okuda at that spot and some picks. It all depends on what happens at that moment. If if they do this trade before the draft, they are dumb. Well, that means they're probably going to do it. But all kidding aside, you bring up a really good point because I think when most people think or they hear the word phrase trading down, I was just guilty of this. You think out of the first round, down to the 20 somewhere. If they don't think Akuda is good enough to just take a three, and they don't really care if they get him necessarily, they could just very well trade down to anybody in the top 10 and say, oh, if he's still there, we get him and extra picks on top of it. That's, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. But, yeah, I actually like that idea. And you're right. I think everybody's pretty sure. I mean, nobody's a sure thing, really with the exception of very few. Chase Young is going to be special. Uh, Joe Joe Burrow is more than likely going to be pretty good. But I think, you know, Bengals take Burrow. I'm still convinced of that. And I think think Chase Young goes at two. But if by some chance the Redskins mess it up, which they are prone to do. They obviously are. uh, Then they would kick themselves if a team that needs defense now, especially after trading Darius Slay, doesn't have the draft pick there to take Chase Young because then whoever's at three goes, oh, damn, he just fell into our lap. Okay, great. So I think you're right. I don't think it'll happen before draft day, but it would not surprise me if Akuda's still on the board and he's the best player on the board as far as everyone's concerned, quotations, if they say, all right, we'll trade the number seven or eight, get a couple picks, maybe maybe get a second-round pick out of it too for somebody who really wants another player, somebody who wants to trade up for Tua or anybody else, Simmons. You know, Simmons would be perfect. And I'll, I'll I'll add to your point. If they make this trade before draft day, and your scenario happens where Chase Young's at number three, and it's the Chargers or it's it's the the Giants on line two, and saying, you know what, you're the Chargers. We'll give you. A, we want Chase Young. We really want Chase Young because the Giants are good with their quarterback. We'll give you a a second round pick next year to move up one spot to get Chase Young. And now the Chargers who may have surrendered a second round pick to move up two spots, maybe it's maybe it's a second round pick to um, the Lions, now can gain, gain back a second round pick just to move down one spot, still mm-hmm. get their quarterback. And and all, all, all Detroit had to do was wait until draft day. This is why it's a nice talking point right now this is not going to happen before no, draft day. I don't think so. I'd be really, really dumb for them to do that. And honestly, the three teams at number one, two, and three are pretty dumb where they could pull something stupid like that. Oh, no argument here. All right, moving on. We, we had, had a, a trade today. Yep, a flash trade. You're never going to guess. before we started. You're never going to guess who all of a sudden pulled a surprise trade. And at its surface, you can go, oh, you got a good player. But when you really break it down, 
made a pretty crappy move. And who are we talking about, Ben? Oh, we're talking about Brandon Cooks going from the Las Vegas Ram- LA Rams, my apologies, to the Houston Texans. And Bill O'Brien. Yeah, for what seems like it's not exact compensation that they got for DeAndre Hopkins, but it's not far off. And I would, if we did it, let's say if we did a top 20 list for receivers right now in the league, is Brandon Cooks on the uh, top 20? Uh, I'd say yeah. But is where is he slotted? Is he in 15 to 20? He's not in the top 10. I would say he'd probably be, well, we actually did a top 10, so he wasn't in our top 10. Right. Uh, I'd say he's probably, for me, in the 15 to 20 range somewhere. And DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, it's top three. Right. I, yeah, I think the, it, compensation, the compensation yeah. is is scarily similar. Yet someone like Stefan Diggs, who is talented, say he's a top 10 player. I think he, I think we put him we both put him a top 10 player. Went for greater compensation than DeAndre Hopkins. This tells you what a fool Bill O'Brien is. Okay, so you trade you trade DeAndre Hopkins. You can argue the best receiver in the game. And I think before last season, I would have said the best receiver in the game. I go I think you know, Hopkins uh, for me, Hopkins, Julio, and of course Michael Thomas number one. Um, I know I'm forgetting somebody too, but I'm, uh, but I I still put him top three, no doubt. And you trade Hopkins and a second round pick, mind you, to Arizona for David Johnson, who I love. David Johnson, I hope he can turn it around. I have no faith in Bill O'Brien. He's just going to finish off what Arizona started with that bad offense. And and poor David Johnson's career is going to be a what could have been. But then you turn around and you trade that two pick for a receiver. And people can go, oh, well, he needed a receiver. Now he traded, he traded Hopkins. So now they have Cooks. Okay. But like you said, when you look at their compensation and their contract, the... Ability level between Brandon Cooks and DeAndre Hopkins is so vast that that few million dollars in monopoly money, by the way, because it's a sport, so it's all monopoly money, that few million dollars difference in their salary does not justify the distance in their talent level. You traded a blue chip premier number one stud receiver who could, with the right coaching, lead your team to a championship for a really good player. Essentially, I mean, I know we didn't trade directly Hopkins for Cooks, but when you add the, the draft picks in, that's how this broke down. It, it's it, just, another another it's, Bill O'Brien fumble. Another Bill O'Brien fumble. And you took your wide receiver core, right, Chris? And you had your clear number one, like clear number one, and then you had a number two in William Fuller, who we don't know what he is because he can't stay on the field, and then Kenny Stills, who had a nice productive season but he belongs as a number three, you know, with William Fuller on the field, it's a, it's a nice offense with stills as number three, not as number two. Now you're going to this, this season, if it happens with your number one being either Brandon cooks, who is a smaller frame speedy receiver. So if he loses any speed, he's not as productive and he does have some injury concern. 
your number one, I guess, also is William Fuller, who is injury concerns up and down the ladder. Your number three, because I don't think you have a number two, to be honest with you. Number three is a tie between Randall Cobb, who is on the wrong side of 30, and Kenny Stills, who is a number three, but you need a number, true number one, to to make him effective. Dude, there's a chance, I don't even mean this to be funny, that David Johnson is the best receiver on the Texans right now. It's possible. And and this is why the all these moves, because Randall Cobb signed a three-year deal, three years, $27 million. You got him for three twenty-seven. You got Cooks for I think it was four, and we did the numbers before. It was like forty-five or fifty or something like that. Plus, whatever William Fuller is going to get for his uh, fifth-year option if they pick it up um, on top of his contract this year, and then Kenny Stills is—I don't know—he's not worth it to be a number two. You're you're Deshaun Watson. What are you doing? Trying to get out of there as soon as you can. Absolutely. That's why the rumors are out there. That's why Bavada came out with those numbers for 2021 for him to be in New England. I don't think it's a stretch. Can Bill Belichick compile the draft picks he needs? And because sh- he is going to have a healthy amount of draft, of not draft capital, of salary cap after this year. Because Tom Brady's dead cap. Uh, what was it? 13 to 15, somewhere around there. Yeah. That is 13 and a half. That goes back into the salary cap after the end of the at the end of the season. Yeah. Now you, now you can give him his contract. He wants just do a trade in the understanding. You're going to sign a whatever. If you have to make him the richest quarterback there is, then you do that because Bill Belichick will protect and put him in a position to succeed. He's not going to bring somebody in and then not know how to use him like Bill O'Brien did. And then Bill O'Brien will lose his job after he makes the trade. Oh, Bill O'Brien can go see what Joe Flacco is doing and try to sign him to a $100 million contract because I think Bill O'Brien's just really, really bored with nothing to do right now. So they have to take the GM role away from him right now because he's going to have nobody left on that team by the time the season starts. Very true. All right, we could go on Bill O'Brien and how dumb he is all night, and we actually have before. So, Chris, it'll it'll come up again. Guaranteed. Oh, it'll, yeah, it'll. That could honestly be an episodic segment, to be honest with you. Because what did Bill O'Brien Brown, do today? Yeah, and, Antonio Brown, Bill, yeah. Bill O'Brien. It'll always happen. All right, on to something a little more lighthearted. Yep. Than the stupidity of Bill O'Brien. MLB trades. These didn't happen. And most of these, and for obvious reasons, because most of these players are, at least on one end of the trade or the other, either retired, already in the Hall of Fame, past their prime. But, saw a list the other day, I was looking around, of, you know, trades that could have happened that didn't, that would have definitely shaped their franchise's future and potentially legacy in general. So we picked three of them off the list that we thought were kind of, kind of fun. And we're going to... We're gonna give our feedback on those and how things could have been different. Not not gonna be uh not gonna go long form on these, but that'll be kind of a fun fun thing to do on uh during a time when sports are kind of slow to say the least. Why you're not interested in watching horse on uh, ESPN? I'd be more interested in watching actual horses on ESPN than horse. Okay. 
Fair. Although Fair. I, I got to say, though, I mean, some of these things like the Madden simulation and stuff, people are ripping on it. But, I mean, a lot of this stuff's going to charity to help people. Yeah. I mean, it might be, it might look at it and go, you're actually commentating over a Madden game. Dude, whatever. If it's going to give people a, 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 an avenue to not be so stressed out to enjoy something for a few minutes to, you know, that's why we, that's why I've been going along on these podcasts too. Like normally we try to keep it to an hour. We've been going about an hour, 20, hour and a half, because if people are going to listen to us and, 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 and it's going to be something they can do to take their mind off what's going on. Hey man, we're all for it. So, you know, man, it's not Speaking all for of- me. It's not all for me, but if somebody's enjoying it, then go for it. Speaking of charity, Chris, one of these trades would have been straight up charity. I think, quite frankly, looking at all of them, it would have been. I'm, I'm leaning towards one. Okay. So I got. I'm looking at the, the, the. Well, I'll, I'll read all three of them, and I'll tell you which one I think is the, the most charitable one. Uh, so the, we have the rumor of Rivera, to it was Detroit, right? Mariano Rivera to Detroit to Detroit for David Wells. And this Justin is... Verlander. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Justin Verlander and Curtis Granderson to Miami for Dontrell Willis. Miguel Cabrera to St. Louis for Jaime Garcia and Colby Rasmus. It's the third one. That would have been that would have been crazy movement for the Cardinals to give up. At the time, those were high prospects. Oh yeah. So you and can Cabrera, imagine Cabrera was just like, oh, he looked good, but you weren't really sure what you had. And here's this is two folds what I think would have happened. I don't know the 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 date that this would have happened. Miggy comes to it's probably I'm I'm pretty sure it would have been a young Miggy Cabrera. Oh yeah, that was still when he, he goes, was with Miami. He goes as a third baseman, and now you have. Albert Pujols and Miggy on the corners. Yeah. I don't believe Pujols signs an extension, his first extension with the Cardinals if Miggy goes to St. Louis. Well, one of the other names on that list was Pujols being traded around the same time. Right. Because they came up, I, th- I believe Miggy was a little bit, came up a little bit later than Pujols. No, Pujols came up first, excuse me. Yeah. But they were talking about before he came up, he was a fast rising star, but he had Fernando Tatis in, in the Cardinal system. They had just signed him to an extension, but he had a bad attitude. They ended up trading him and keeping Pujols. If they end up getting Miggy, they may decide to trade Pujols because they have another bat there and more right. potential. That could completely have shaped the Cardinals franchise for sure. Uh, we know it would have shaped the Tigers franchise because they wouldn't have gotten Miguel Cabrera. And I mean, they, they didn't win a ring with him, but my God, was he a monster in his prime. I mean, you look at him now, and he's not—he's a shell of himself. But man, there's a there was a good stretch there where there was nobody more feared than Miguel Cabrera. True, and I think this this affects the Miami Marlins immensely because Jaime Garcia's career never really got on track. No. Kobe Rasmus was a nice rate. He was a nice fourth outfielder, maybe at best. Uh, which one are you uh, looking at there, Chris, that makes you... Uh... Uh, for me, I think it's Mariano Rivera to the Tigers for David Wells. I mean, the irony of it is the Yankees didn't make this trade and they ended up getting David Wells a few years later anyways, and he became a pretty 
pretty big part of a couple World Series teams for him. But, I mean, you're talking about Mariano Rivera, the only, and people can argue this, but he should or shouldn't have been, the only unanimous electee ever to the Hall of Fame. I don't know how you can even argue the greatest closer and the greatest relief pitcher of all time. I mean, I'm a Red Sox fan, and I'm, I'm, I'm fluffing this guy up like that. So, I mean, that'll tell you something. Um, yeah, I mean, he, David Wells was a nice pitcher for a couple of years, but he doesn't compare to Rivera. So, not 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 any way, shape, or form does he compare to Rivera. And I mean, obviously, this this was a time before Rivera was Rivera. He was still a prospect, but if the Yankees make this trade, not only that, but is Rivera himself because the Yankees knew how to use him because they'd had him the whole time. Whereas, do the Tigers know how to use him, or do they do what Detroit does and essentially make bad decisions? Because uh, that would have been, I want to say, a good portion of the time that would have been Jim Leland as the manager, right? Yeah. Yep. Would very have, old taxed... school, very stubborn. Yeah. He would have he would have made Rivera not throw that cutter so much. Wouldn't have let him be himself. Right. And it would not have been good for Mo. It's interesting though that these trades potentially could have happened, but never did happen. That Rivera, that Wales ended up on the Yankees, and then eventually Dontrell Willis, and for that matter Miguel Cabrera, end up on the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I didn't even look at that. Yeah, and I don't remember what what went to Miami for Dontrell and Miggy. It had have been a, a pretty good package that never really panned out, but. You just you just never know. Uh, that would have that Verlander Granderson to uh, to Miami, and if they didn't trade Miggy, that makes that team. I mean, we know Miami for a good portion of the time they raise a team up and then just absolutely tear it yeah, down. Yeah, they win a World Series and then tear it down. Yeah, but I mean. You look at it, Miggy, Verlander, Granderson, there could have been a nice couple-year, at least two, three-year run if they all slotted together at a good time to make some hay. But then eventually they just made a, a run in Detroit. But then, of course, they could never put it over the uh, edge because they couldn't compile a bullpen. And they couldn't resign anybody. They had guys like Max Scherzer, they had to let go because they couldn't afford to sign them. Right, right. They just pumped... They pumped too much money in the wrong spots. And then, yeah, because around the time Scherzer left, they signed Cabrera to a massive extension, and they right. couldn't afford Scherzer. Cabrera's a shell of himself now, and Scherzer is still a Cy Young candidate. So don't always know how things are going to turn out. And if you rely on Francisco Rodriguez, uh, aging relief pitcher, to be your closer, it didn't really work out, did it? Man, a slider was nasty when he was younger, though. Oh, it was. Oh, it was. But unfortunately, he hung it too many times, and David uh, cranked one of them, I believe. Yeah, more than one over over the course of the career. But oh, it's gonna. I'm good. You all set? Yeah, I'm all set. All right, that's gonna wrap it up for us. We uh, always always look forward to hearing all of your opinions and thoughts on any of our topics. And Ben, we're gonna do that. Uh, they can hit us up on Facebook. That's Ben and Chris talk football. And then they can hit us up on Twitter. Chris, you're going to have to remind me just one more time. I can't remember it yet. BCTS pod at BCTS pod. And that's Ben and Chris talk sports.
And yeah. also, I have an update on the Facebook name change. Okay. Apparently, apparently, as of the 15th of this month, we'll be able to do it. For whatever reason, it was held up. I don't know why they said... Uh, I went in to check if, if Ben and I were had the rights as page administrators, and we do, but apparently they took that as we were renewing it or we were changing something, so because it was said to be changed, now it has to be held for so long before it can be changed, so we're going to be on that as soon as we can. Everything else should be should be up to date, though, but that's a, you know, hopefully okay. uh doesn't throw anybody off thinking it's sports when it's actually football listed on the page. I'm pretty sure people can figure it out, but... Yep. For the sake of consistency, we'd like it to say the right thing. But it, it will as soon as we possibly can. But we're aware of it. We're going to take care of it. Uh, again, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe. Stay healthy. We will see you right back here Tuesday morning. Thank you.